the South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. You always got to look at the positives, right? And the positive is we eliminated the Red Sox from postseason mathematically here. So things are okay in Blue Jays land. Welcome to the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the stadium scene.tv network part of the Overtime Media crew, and we are coming to you live from the Vivid Seats studios. Look, there's not a lot of good things to talk about when it comes to the Blue Jays, but if they eliminate the Red Sox from postseason, even though like they were out beforehand, mathematically, I'm cool with it. Joining me tonight to discuss all things Toronto Blue Jays is Connor Chambers of Toronto Sports Views. Dude, you got to be happy that they eliminated the Red Sox, right? Well, I mean, I have to be happy about something. God damn it. <laughs> I'll take I'll take any moral victory I can get at this point. Eliminating the Boston Red Sox is yeah, it's quite the moral victory. Yeah, I mean it could be worse, right? They could have clobbered us or whatever, but no, I'll take I'll take the satisfaction. That... Yeah, and I'll take I'll take it when Mookie Betts is a Toronto Blue Jay next year. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's coming north of the border, baby. What it do, baby? Yeah, I have to do that to that. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look. Completely ruin your intro, but that's just that's just what I do. No, nah, it's fine. Look, um, it's you got to grasp at the little things, right? Because if you're going to sit on the wins and losses this year, you're just going to go crazy and you're just going to drive yourself insane. So if it comes down to the Blue Jays eliminating one of you know, I guess the only team in the world that I hate, uh, I'll I'll take it, no problem. Uh, yes. <laughs> and, and we'll speak because you you're literally surrounded by that yeah. all the time, all right? The time. Boston, this Boston, that I bet. I, I don't know what the talk is now. It's probably what Patriots stuff now. Oh yeah. Really? And yeah, yeah, that's all Patriots. So, mm. well, at least you don't have to deal with that for another, what, seven, eight months. Yeah. But then you're discounting the fact that I'm still surrounded by Celtics fans who somehow think they're the best team in the Eastern conference. Oh my God. But we're going to have to like, put a pin on that because that's yeah, Raptors. That's, <laughs> That's not that's not Blue Jays talk, Drafters talk, which I can't wait for. But yes, yes, we'll have to. Well, that that'll that'll be a topic for another day. But um, Boston fans, you're delusional. Even though you're city of champions, you're absolutely delusional. Speaking of uh, city of champions, if, if for any reason any of you out there want tickets to something, like I said, we are coming to you live from the Vivid Seat Studios. If any of you want any tickets to a sporting event, a theater show, comedy event, concert, whatever. Uh, hit up Vivid Seats. You, It's real simple. Just go to the Vivid Seats app on your favorite device, whether you're using an iPhone, an Android, whatever. Download the Vivid Seats app, and first-time customers get up to $100 off their first-time ticket purchase by using promo code OVERTIME. This will only work on the Vivid Seats app, so I implore you to download that app. Use promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-I-M-E, on the Vivid Seats app. And also... I want to give a special shout out to mybookie.ag. Connor, I don't know about you, but uh, sports betting, I guess, is a thing. And with the NFL season kicking on, uh, sports betting is very hot right now. So if you're into that and you want in on the action, head on over to mybookie.ag. New users will get their deposits doubled by using promo code OVERTIME. That's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. E. So, you know, Connor, if you're looking to, uh, you know, double your deposit and bet on stuff, head on over to mybookie.ag. 
Wow. I heard double deposit and I really got me going. Holy smokes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, promo oh, code overtime, baby. That's it. All one word promo code overtime. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, let's just jump right into it. Look, as I mentioned, there's not a whole lot of positives within this Blue Jays time right now in September. There's only a handful of games left. Season in which wins and losses don't really matter. It's only the diehards really are watching, and if that. But Kevin Biggio kind of saved the day, at least saved the week for us when it comes to Blue Jays talk. Um, He hit for the cycle last night. It's important to note that we are recording this Wednesday evening. There is a game going on live right now, but since they're playing the Baltimore Orioles, Connor and I decided, fuck it, it doesn't really matter. They're playing the Orioles. So uh, he and his his father, Craig, joined Gary and Daryl Ward as the only father-son duos to hit for the cycle. It's pretty cool considering the lack of talking points, as I mentioned, but, you know, I've seen talk on Twitter today, seen articles, seen quotes, I guess you could say. You brought it up as, does this solidify Kevin Biggio's spot on the Blue Jays? Um, it's kind of you know peculiar to me because I thought he was pretty much a, a cornerstone for this team moving forward. I just kind of wanted to get your take on the significance, sort of gauge the temperature on that. And how do you feel about this sort of out of nowhere? Does this solidify his spot on the team? I thought that was pretty much set in stone. Yeah, I didn't really understand that narrative, and I kind of tweeted that out this morning. Now, to be fair, the um, that was more of me just looking at the headline, and the article did say that it was a Keith Law quote, but then I was like, listen, you should probably just put solidified rotation spot in quotes then, as opposed to actually asking the question. Um, in in essence, so no, look, Kevin Biggio's spot in this Blue Jays team is without question solidified. There's there's no debate about it. Is he as good as as Vlad Jr. and Bo Bichette? No. Uh, does that mean that he's any less of a player that's not considered useful in this team? No, he's a very useful player. His spot should be without question solidified. I don't understand why this was even a topic that was brought up, but um Kevin has provided a lot of useful things to Jays and he's, I believe 12 for 12 on stolen base attempts this year, which is something that we haven't really seen in the last, what, five, six years with any speed on this team. Yeah. Maybe like rich, like Rajai Davis was maybe the last guy that obviously I'm not saying Kevin visual speed is Rajai Davis speed, but the last guy who we could count on for a solid percentage of stolen bases. So it's nice to see the balance of speed and, power and contact kind of coming together and, and a little bit of defense as well with Kevin Biggio. So I don't understand the narrative in this, that his spot would be not solidified or if there's any doubt about it, I don't understand what people are re- watching or not watching in this case. Right, right. It shouldn't even have been a question, but then again, as we've mentioned, you know, ad nauseum so far, there aren't a lot of talking points for the blue Jays. So I guess there, are, <laughs> yes. there is a need for <laughs> clickbait, I suppose. Um, but so here's my question. I, I don't want to shit on the occasion. I do think it's significant that a father-son duo has hit for the cycle. Um, I like seeing that. I like seeing the pedigree of a guy like Craig Biggio passed down to Cavan. I like that a lot. But the thing is, how serious can we take this, Consider that they were playing pretty much a quadruple A team in the Baltimore Orioles? Hey, I mean, a, a major league team is a major league team. Right. Like, regardless of how you look at it, um, obviously, are they as good as most major league teams, if not all of them? I think maybe you take out the Detroit Tigers and they might be the worst team in the league besides them. Um, And in front of what, maybe a thousand fans, I can't think. It's a pretty pathetic turnout. If that I think 
I think you probably just could have walked into Camden Yards and they're like, no, please come in for free. We won't charge you for a ticket. We just need bodies. <laughs> Concessions will, will be will be available for like cheap dollars. I don't understand. I, I don't get why they don't get fans out there. Um, but going back to your actual point, I think it is a, a cycle is a cycle. Look, you have to get four hits. You have to hit a home run, a, a triple, a double and a single. And a triple is one of the hardest hits to do in. Obviously, it is the hardest hit in baseball um, for various reasons but look the guy you basically have to have a situation where the guy crashes in the wall and essentially is dead on the field or a weird bounce off the wall which is kind of the the first is what had happened for kevin biggio but right um it's it's still it's still significant it's very tough to do and it doesn't matter what team you're playing i think um statistically speaking it is more rare to see a cycle hit than to see a no hitter statistically speaking so um anytime there's a cycle it's fantastic to see and i think that kevin should be applauded for it no matter who he was playing uh on the occasion yeah and if you consider the hype uh surrounding certain players on this blue jays squad if i were to tell you someone in september hit for the cycle i'm not saying kevin biggio wouldn't come to your mind but it certainly wouldn't be one of the first two maybe players i think mm-hmm. i i think we can cross vlad off the list because even though he has hit a triple the aspect of vladimir guerrero hitting a triple maybe against baltimore that makes sense but that just seems kind of weird to me so if you would have said like hey someone hit a triple i mean hit for the cycle for the blue jays first two people in my mind would probably have been uh bo bichette and then lord escuriel i probably yes. would have chosen kevin as my third guy that again that's not to take anything away from his talent it's just like i get the feeling that the talent that he has is sort of under the radar and people aren't really woke to it as much as they are to Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And I don't know if that's because of the the name clout that Bo and Vladdy have coming up through the minor league system, but I, I do feel like Kevin is a little bit underrated to a lot of people that are fans of this Blue Jay squad. And when he does something like this, it sort of puts it right in front of your face and says, holy shit, this guy can be like a, a very important piece for the Blue Jays moving forward. Um, I don't want to speak for the article. I don't want to speak for how what the point of the article was that Blue Jays Nation was quoting, but I do think it's fair to wonder, do you think that Kevin Biggio is the second baseman of the future? In other words, yes, we know that is that is hitting is promising, but is is this defense and his prowess at second base something that you can rely on on the reg? Um, that's a great question. Cause I don't know. And I think that there's a lot of great infield talent coming up with the blue Jays minor league system, obviously with, uh, with, with your shows in the past, you guys have touched upon a lot of prospect depth, and that's kind of been the topic of conversation with the Jays. Cause not much is really happening at the major league level. So it's like, all right, who do you got coming up? What's going on? Right. right. You, you got, you got your names, your well-known names, but you know, you even have like Logan Warmos of the world that can even transition. I know he's, a shortstop by nature, but he could move to second base. If we assume that Boba Shed is going to be assuming the mantle of the shortstop of the future for the Jays. Um, we've seen Kevin Biggio play some outfield and because of the outfield situation that the blue Jays are currently facing, which I'm sure we'll talk about more later. Um, it would be really interesting if to see Kevin Biggio, maybe get more of an opportunity to play um, an outfield role, maybe a corner spot just to see, Hey, would he be better suited in a right field and try to take on that Jose Bautista light uh, role where he's maybe not hitting 40 bombs and 120 ribbies, but um, he's giving you some power. He's giving you some contact. He provides some speed 
and he can play defense out in the corner outfield spot. So that might be where I more would like to see Kevin Biggio, as I think that there might be some good uh, middle infield depth coming up for the Blue Jays that might be able, one of them might be able to take that second base spot and provide him with a better opportunity to play and um, pr- provide his bat with other people in that uh, second base slot. Right, right. And, you know, the the Blue Jays thus far haven't really been favorable at second base. You look at the history, at least in, you know, recent history, you had Meister as Turris. I know you and I talked about Meister as Turris a lot <laughs> last year. Um Can't stand that dude. Yeah, right? I mean, like, he was supposed to be this, this pretty uh, valuable piece coming in. And obviously injuries took the best of him. Same thing with uh, Devin Travis. He he was another one that didn't really last that long, if at all. So uh, I'm not saying there are longevity issues when it comes to Kevin Biggio. I'm just saying that second base spot hasn't been favorable to the Blue Jays moving forward. Um, so what I'd like to see is, you know, if if he's hitting the way he is and the offensive production is there, it can sort of mitigate any of the size defensive woes that I have when it comes to him. I'm not saying that he's not a valuable piece. I'm not saying that he doesn't have a spot on this Blue Jays team, but at the same time, I just need to see a little bit more on defense. And if he's going to be plugged into the two-hole, because I'm pretty sure Bo Bichette is the leadoff man from now until whenever he's not a Blue Jay yes. or he gets hurt or whatever, um, I do think that if Kevin Biggio is in the two-hole and he's producing... I'm willing to give him some slack on the defense end. Yeah, me too. Um, and if that if that means that he's at second base and there's the occasional error, that I'm completely fine with that. I'm not saying to eliminate Kevin Biggio automatically from second base. If in the event that we see that it is becoming an issue, I would like to try him in the corner outfield spot. Maybe almost have that Ben Zobris-esque type of um, utility where you can put him in the outfield and put him at second. Um, maybe plays the occasional other position if you're if you're in like a National League type of game and you're rotating a bunch of stuff around. Um, but it would be really interesting. So I think he can he can do both the second base and the outfield depending on his needs. And especially if you have somebody that's you want to rotate into that DH spot and you want to put people in different spots to have utility guys, I think is so much more imperative now than it was even five years ago. So I wouldn't be opposed to having him in both, but making his primary position second base. Yeah, I can see that. And you know, like uh, the Blue Jays definitely seem to be all about that utility player. Like, I, I know Richard Urena wasn't anything to write home about and still isn't, but still having that sort of player does have its value. Same thing with Lourdes Gurriel. There is some value, and uh, obviously we cannot take away from the talent of Lourdes Gurriel. The left field position sort of fell into his lap and it worked out. But when we have these diversified positions for players, it ends up working out to the Blue Jays' favor if they're in a situation where depth is a priority. And knowing the Blue Jays, that is not something that's out of the realm of possibility because we've seen it time and time again. Injuries plague this team. There's not enough depth to back it up. They sort of become fucked and there goes their playoff hopes. Not saying that's anything in the immediate term. It certainly isn't. But it's good to be prepared for that when they are ready to compete and when they are ready to pull the trigger towards contention. Mm-hmm. Like when the World Series is is bound, like if you're, if you're ever playing a World Series game and you're playing a National League team, right? How many times do we see um, when when the Cubs and the Royals were in it and they relied on Ben Zobrist even to get them those those positions that they need to have filled? And he was the guy who was like, yeah, I can literally play any position. So having a few guys like that, like the Marwin Gonzalez would be the more recent name, I guess, in terms of the super utility guy. Having guys like that on your team is 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 imperative. And if you can have them at an elite level that we think Kevin could potentially get to, it's even more of a bonus. This is the overtime podcast network. 
All right, we touched on it a little bit. I want to talk about the outfield. Look, it, for the vast majority of the show in September, we have talked about the importance of rebuilding the pitching staff. We've touched a little bit on the infield um, in prior episodes. We did it just now. Field is something that I don't want to say has been ignored, but it's definitely not getting the attention that it deserves in terms of where the future is with this team and the players that they have. Um, this was brought to my attention on Twitter by Steve um, at Foggy's Pal. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, he mentioned that the collective uh, OBP of the outfield on this team is really not good, and it's not. You know, I, like I said, I think Lourdes Gurriel is someone that we can cement in left field, set it, and forget. But the remaining players on this 25 or 40 man roster, however you want to look at it, moving forward is very questionable. We got Graychuk, we got Hernandez, Alfred, Jonathan Davis, Derek Fisher, and Billy McKinney. None of them scream, okay, this is our future. We're definitely set here. I feel confident. I'm not saying they're bad, but they're definitely not world beaters here, right? And and there's a lot to be desired, especially with Derek Fisher on the defensive end and obviously on the offensive end. So what do you think is the recipe here? Is this, put it this way, are you confident with these players filling in the gaps of center field and right field moving forward, or does a change need to be made in some acquisition via trade or free agency? Uh, is Do you find that to be absolutely necessary? Um, well, I'm going to echo the sentiments of Ryan DeFrancesco real quick. And what the fuck is going on with Anthony Alford? Yeah. What is going on? Like, wh- I don't understand this. Why are they not giving him a look? Because that is really infuriating. You have a guy who... Um, Ross Atkins had even said at the beginning of this year, you know, we view Anthony Alford as um, in this relatively similar tier to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette. And here you are having Anthony Alford ride the pine while you're giving Jonathan Davis looks in the outfield. And I understand Jonathan Davis has good defense, but the guy doesn't have a bat. So I don't, the, the upside is much higher on Anthony Alford. Why is he not getting the opportunity? That is, as a Blue Jays fan is really infuriating. And I don't know where that's coming from. I don't know if that's a Charlie Montoyo decision. I don't know if that's a directive from the front office of Shapiro and Atkins, but whoever that's coming from, I, I don't really get it. So there must be some sort of um, hidden information that we're not aware of as fans, because from the outside looking in, it doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, saying that, I still think that the Blue Jays should go out and try to get someone like a Cassianos type, not saying that Nicholas Cassianos would, would be a part of this team, but I think that they need to add someone impactful. Um, I just, I, I don't really know you have money tied up in Randall Grichuk and he's not a part of your outfield. If you want to be a true contender, I don't think so. So I just I, I don't know a solution. I, I I would really like to see Alfred there and give it a really good look before I jump to a conclusion about something and make a decision, because I think I was really high on Anthony Alfred coming into the year, and I think that he could really excel in the center field role. And I just don't understand why they're not giving him a fair opportunity. It doesn't make things any better when you consider that Anthony Alfred, I'm pretty sure, is out of options. Right. Yes. So, yeah. So, so it, it sort of ties up the Blue Jays' hands right now. Right. And this is something that I feel is a little bit indicative of how this front office is running this team. Um, the signs are on the wall in terms of how they view certain assets, certain prospects, and how they value them moving forward and where they see them 
at, in terms of a place for this team in their future, right? And I don't know that this front office is confident in Anthony Alford's abilities. Yes, you can say that he's not a quote-unquote natural baseball player, right? And in other words, I don't mean that in in an unnatural, natural way. I just think in terms of what was his knee-jerk for a desire to play— Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he wanted to play football first and baseball sort of just followed. Right. So I'm not sure if they see that he doesn't have like the innate ability to play an outfield well enough in the major leagues. I certainly disagree with that from what I've seen. I think he's one of the, if not the most athletic person or players rather on the Blue Jays squad right now. Um, I don't know. It, it, It just screams to me that they're going to put themselves in a corner and come spring training it really wouldn't surprise me if he's either traded or they're going to take the gamble and put him through waivers and he's going to get snatched up. Well, he was a top 100 prospect, right? And I just, I, I don't know. I, I'm so at a loss for words for this because it's really infuriating to me. It's really infuriating to see a team that has an asset like Anthony Alford that while yes, he's had his injuries and it hasn't been, the most healthy and stellar year for Anthony Alford this year, the upside is still there and it's just not being explored. And to me, that's, what's really frustrating because um, he's sitting there. He's not really given that opportunity to showcase. Yeah. You know what? I had injuries this year and it wasn't a great start to come back to, but look, I'm healthy now. I'm ready to contribute at this level and I know what I can do and I know what I can bring, but he has had what, maybe three or four or five games to, to showcase himself and it hasn't always been starts. So it's not the most ideal situation for Anthony Alford. And and as a player, I would be frustrated. Um, and I'm sure he is. And I don't think that it's going to be a good situation for the front office and, and for the team. I just don't see this ending well for either party. Uh, To touch on the on-base percentage aspect of those playing outfield, uh, Steve mentioned it's not pretty and it's not, but, of those remaining players, Tay Oscar, Randall Grachuk, Billy McKinney, Derek Fisher, uh, Jonathan Davis, and Anthony Alford. Alford has the highest OBP at 308. Again, that's not something that you're like writing home about and saying, oh, this dude's the future, 308 OBP. That's not great. But no, considering not. everyone else, like Tay Oscar Hernandez, 294, uh, Randall Grachuk, 283, Billy McKinney, 263, Derek Fisher, 273, which is a lot higher than I anticipated for him, to be honest. Yeah, actually, yeah, me too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And uh, yeah. Jonathan Davis, 184. Yeah, it's terrible. But on the flip side, Anthony Alford has only played nine games and only has 13 played appearances and 12 at-bats. So it's like the sample size is rather small, but I would rather go with the upside and the higher ceiling in Anthony Alford and explore that route and exhaust it, right? And and if you're not going to go that route and if you don't have, you know, confidence in his ability and for this team moving forward, then you have to explore free agency because there's no way you can convince me that what you have is better than Anthony Alford. Yeah, that's and that's exactly my point. And you you have to I, Derek Fisher is not going to be your solution. I'm sorry. Um, he might be a fourth outfielder at best on a good team if he develops into something. But as of right now, look, you're like you said, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Leave him in left field. Don't worry about it. That's that's taken care of. Um, if you want to keep exploring, you have Randall Grichuk locked up as an option. So maybe he's just your right fielder. And then center field is really where you have that mixture of stuff. Teoscar Hernandez has been a bit better at the plate coming back off of his uh, recall from AAA. He's put up some some solid numbers. But again, those on-base percentage numbers are 
abysmal. They're not, that's not good, man. And especially that Jonathan Davis on base percentage. Come on, man. Like, like we were chirping Russell Martin for having a sub 200 average, but at least he had a higher average than Jonathan Davis's on base percentage. (laughs) Uh, Christ's sake. He probably has a lower ERA though. (laughs) Oh yeah, dude, that man, that guy, when the Dodgers are in the playoffs, man, if they need, if they go into extras and they're stretched thin, I might I bet you I'm gonna make a hot take bet right now. Russell Martin, you see him pitch in the playoffs. That'd be awesome. I would love it. <laughs> I'm I'm all here for it. <laughs> if we can't see the Blue Jays in the playoffs, please give me a Russell Martin pitching appearance and I'm I'll be satisfied. Yeah, so look, when it comes to these players though, I have to be fair. Although I'd like to see Anthony Alford sort of take over or get the opportunity to run with it and, you know, either prove the front office wrong if this is their attitude towards him or he proves them right if, again, if that's their attitude towards him. Um, None of the remaining outfielders that I've mentioned, and this includes Alford, besides Otis Gurriel, they're not essential to me, right? If if tomorrow, or sorry, in the offseason, we find out that any of these outfielders minus Lourdes Gurriel were traded, I'm not upset. I, I just need to see what the return is. But if I find out that they have departed the team in terms of, you know, for a favorable contract or a much better prospect, I'm not scoffing at that. So I, I guess there's a catch-22. Yes, I want to see Alfred get the opportunity because I do think the athleticism is there. But at the same time, I don't know that he's an essential part of this team's future uh, anywhere near the degree as Lotus Gurriel or anybody in the infield. Yeah, well, the the trade history of Pyron Atkins hasn't been the greatest. Right. So I I don't I don't necessarily trust them to make the the right return on an Anthony Alfred, which is kind of what scares me in this circumstance because I think it's going to be mishit, mismanaged poorly, and then he's going to be shipped off for pennies on the dollar which kind of seems to be the trend of these things. And look, I give Shapiro Atkins full credit on, on their drafting and their development in that regard. They've done a fantastic job. I believe um, in terms of international free agent signings and low risk free agent signings with like Freddie Galvis and um, uh, why am I blanking on his name now? Nerd power, Eric Sogard. Yeah. Um, you know, guys like that, and they've brought in, and people have been, well, what the fuck is this? Like, World's playing the parade, World Series, here we go. <laughs> and then, like, you know, it's the whole, it's a typical joke all the time, and they actually turn out to be valuable assets and re-signing Justin Smoke, stuff like that. Like, they've done good jobs that way. I think where they have miserably failed is in the trade uh, realm, and that's why I am very frightened about what can happen with Anthony Alford here because I think that he's going to be traded for absolutely nothing and Blue Jays fans are then going to be upset again and we're going to have this repeat of what happened with Stroman stuff like that and and I, I just I the people so it was Dalton Pompey 2.0 and I don't know I just don't want to I don't want to handle it I don't want to deal with it just please play him just don't be so stubborn play the man come on well if you don't trust their ability to trade and acquire assets certainly understand that but when you look at the free agent market for outfielders, it's really not that great, right? You have like Calhoun, but he has a club option. Brett Gardner is not going anywhere. I don't know that I want to touch Yasiel Puig. Uh, Hunter Pence is kind of on the old side. Adam Jones certainly is on the older side. Curtis Grandison, even though he was cool for this team at the time, he's still on the older side. Nick Markakis has a club option. Uh, Jared Dyson is available. Melky Cabrera, again, on the older side. Like These are that are not making me feel 
really confident in what's out there. So their best course of action, obviously, if they want to save money, yes, they can sign one of these guys on the cheap, and that seems to be their MO. But if they're going to try to trade, they might have a better shot at getting someone better than signing one of these guys. Because if they sign one of those guys, that just screams, okay, we're in for another year of, of wins and losses not mattering. Right. Um, and again, another another name basically that you I think forgot to mention was Nick Nicholas Cassianos. Mm. Um, and that's a name that's that's kind of the only real name that I would put decent amount of money into and and, and term and say, you know what, look, you could be a, a good part of this team. He's twenty seven years old. Um, he is a free agent after this year, currently making ten million dollars, but um he'll have a significant raise in twenty seven on a team of this uh, at, at this current moment, I mean, he would be better and he'd be pretty old. I think he'd be the, the, the grandpa of the locker room, but, uh, I, I think it would be a good fit for him. And I think that it would be a good fit for the Jays. So not saying, not saying it's going to happen because he is a Boris client, especially. So I don't necessarily know if that would work, right? but, um, Nick Castellanos is probably the only name out of those that you mentioned that I would really take a look at and say, yeah, let's put our money into this guy. Otherwise, the rest of the outfield core and free agents, you're right. It's very thin. So it have to either be through the trade route or you give Anthony Alford a fucking look, please. <laughs> Christ. Um, 171 hits for the year, 72 RBIs, 26 home runs, batting 282 with an OPS of 869. It's pretty good. Yeah, that was most of the year on the garbage-ass Detroit Tigers. Yeah, and you know th this is a guy that you're right. His 2019 salary is close to, if just not like under 10 million bucks. He deserves a raise, which is why I'm thinking there's no way the Blue Jays are going to sign him because they're not going to want to spend the money that's going to be necessary to get a guy like this. Right? The, we're talking about someone that could probably sign with a contender for on like a two year plus an option deal. But we, as Blue Jays fans, we're not blind to the fact that there's this sort of quote-unquote tax that comes to signing free agencies that, all right, if you want me, you're going to have to pay me a little bit more to go through the trouble of going through customs, crossing the border, X, Y, Z, these things that are irrelevant. But at the same time, in the minds of athletes, they're, I guess, pretty important and they cost. So I don't know that the Blue Jays are going to want to spend the money that is necessary to get a guy like him, even though he would be a perfect fit for this team. The only reason I don't see Cassiano signing a two-year deal or a, or a short-term deal like what you had just mentioned is because that puts him basically at 29 to 30 years old. And how many times have we seen 29, 30, 31-year-olds wait a week, two yeah. weeks, a month, yeah. two months in a free agency? Because the teams like you're, you have the wrong number as, as the first number of your age. It starts with a three. It doesn't start with a two. Right. So I'm not going to touch you. And I think that these guys are starting to realize that. And I think that Cassianos is going to look for a longer term contract, five, six year contract, just because um, he's going to want to lock it up and, and take him into 32, 33 years old, because he knows that he might not be able to get that money at the age of 30 because someone might not want to pay him. So it's going to it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, but yes, you're right. The Blue Jays will have to overpay a little bit. But most of their salary, I think, is especially after I, this year is when the Martin contract and the Tulo contract are expired. Right. Yeah, Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that dead money comes off the books um, and they would essentially be like bottom five in payroll at the end of the year. It's, it's, it would be a good time to add somebody 
and I think that they will. It has. I think that at the right time when the management and ownership believe it's the right time, I think that they will once again be a top five payroll in the league. But as of this moment, they might not view signing Nicholas Cassianos in this offseason as the right moment. Maybe if it was next year, potentially, but um, that's still a guy I don't necessarily want to see slip through unless like, if it's for the right dollar amount. But it will be really interesting, actually, to see where he goes and what he decides to do. If he signs, if he does a Manny Machado type of move where he goes to like a San Diego, a.k.a. like goes to a Toronto where they weren't successful the previous year, but believes in their future and their youth. Or if he decides to go with a true contender, like uh, obviously they don't, they don't really need him, but like a New York Yankees type of team. So um, that's probably the only outfielder I think can make a big difference in the free agency pool. I don't disagree. It's just, it's a matter of how confident are you that the front office is going to get the job done because, you know, not just the the tax, quote unquote, of coming to Canada to play. It's you have to sell him that, hey, we're going to contend, right? I don't know that you can get a top tier free agent, right? Because on this outfield market, he is probably the top tier free agent within that, you know, position of need. Um. You can't sell to him, hey, there's going to be one down year, maybe, maybe two, but after that, like, we should explode and you'll be here for it. If I'm, you know, Cassianos, I'm like, kick rocks, pal, deuces. I- I'm going to go yeah, sign with the contender yeah. and make some money. Fair enough. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it- it's it's definitely going to be an interesting situation, and I, I just, this is going to be the type of offseason that's really going to test not only the patience, but the confidence that we have within this front office. Hundred percent. I mean, it's it. Free agency has kind of been the one thing that we haven't really been able to see through and through as a, as a true grade with this team because there hasn't really been that need in free agency. I mean, the first year of them coming in, maybe because we thought, okay, if they can extend the window of this team and still make them competitive, it might be um, something that we could explore and 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 understand with this front office of how they operate. But these last couple of years, last year or two, they haven't really had the need to buy high on a star free agent player. So it's been just, you know, the the Galvises and the Eric Sogard signings type of things where you go, okay, low risk, high reward, nothing really that throws you off. And now it's going to be if if they are rumored in this type of situation with a Nicholas Cassianos, maybe we get a better understanding of how they're actually going to operate and what their true principles and morals are in terms of the negotiation if they have anything similar to the Paul Beeson no more than five year rule stipulation if if they have their own type of thing that they want to carry with them this year I believe this free agency period coming up might be the first true opportunity that we really see that with this front office this is the overtime podcast network it's interesting that you, I do think that this is an important talking point and, you know, we, we've talked about it. We talked about how this season was never been about wins and losses. It's never been about how this team is going to finish, whether or not they're going to contend. But, you know, as we've been talking about, there's going to be a lot of disappointment when they aren't showing up for and you know giving the audience something to, to really cheer for. So, look, it's, we're in the middle of September. Right. And there's what, 10 games, 11 if we're counting tonight. Um, 
what are you looking to see? What are you looking to see in terms of tangibles or intangibles from this club to make you end September and say, you know what, I have a lot of confidence moving forward. Um, I obviously know Anthony Alford is going to be on the top of your list, but besides that, (laughs) what do you want to see to really make you feel confident? And not only that, make you willing to invest your time, money, and energy into this team in 2020. Um, I just want to see close games. I don't want to see games get out of hand. And I think that when you go towards the end of the season, you know, you have a record of you've only won 60 games this year. You know, your season's over. Um, You kind of sit there and maybe you're just say, ah, we'll just coast it the rest of the way, really, you know, and who cares about our record? And maybe I might poke a few hits and keep my average around the same and have a good, have a good last little 10 games, have fun with my boys. And then I'm off to Bora Bora or some shit. Right. right? Like, but I, I think that, and, and I, I actually really think that the blue Jays will end the year strong because there's a lot of young guys still on here that are experiencing their first full MLB season. It is the end of the season. And I think that they still want to make a really good impression with their teammates, with their manager, with the front office and say, look, we know the season's over but we're still going to compete like we're in a pennant race that we're in. We're in the thick of a wildcard race and we need all these games. And obviously as the uh, fan of the team, would I like them to win out all their games? No, because I like them to have a better draft position. Right. Right. And I think that that seventh or that sixth, seventh position is essentially locked up for the blue Jays. But as long as they keep it close, as long as they show some fight, um, we understand that the pitching is not the strong suit of this team. So I'm not even really going to examine that. To me, that's there's nothing really that I'm going to learn in these 10 games versus what I've seen throughout the rest of the year. Just as long as the team spirit and the team morale is still to keep things close and to not give up on games if you're down 5-1 early on to stay to stay close and give your team a fighting chance to win is essentially really all you can ask for from a bunch of young guys and a couple older veteran misfits. Right. Right. No, I agree. I agree that, you know, when you, when you have these, these opportunities, right. To leave on a high note, right. Leave your, your fan base with something to, you know, wet their palate about, especially if they're close games, right? Because whether or not the wins and losses matter, I think you're right. I think close baseball is always going to be entertaining, right? You don't necessarily have to be in contention to be entertaining, right? And and there have been bright spots with this Blue Jays team that were like, yeah, they're not going to make the playoffs, but this was cool. Like, uh, as we mentioned, Kevin Biggio hitting for the cycle. What I'm really looking for, though, is more so on the intangible sides. Like I'm reading the tea leaves. I want to to clean up the tea that Ross Atkins or Mark Shapiro is spilling. Right. And and yesterday or maybe it was two days ago. I'm pretty sure it was yesterday actually. Um, Shapiro was on Tim and Sid. I saw the clips and I'm just thinking to myself, holy shit, we're gonna have to do this for another year. Like he's not committing into to doing, you know, what is necessary to propel this team forward. I feel like there's a prime opportunity right now with the Red Sox being this team that's sort of in disarray with their front office, with Dombrowski gone. Like, this is the time to strike because when there's a new president of operations coming in, that generally means like he wants to put his, he or she wants to put their fingerprints on it, sell assets to recoup the farm. That's usually how it goes. 
I would hope that if the Blue Jays do see that within the Red Sox camp, they're going to capitalize on it, right? Because I do think that the Rays are destructible, whereas the Yankees, they're king of the mountain right now. There is an opportunity to prime for the taking to really grab hold of that wild card spot next year. So I would like to see them be a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more, uh, well, I should say a little less frugal with their spending and really just go for it, man. You can't waste this talent. You can't, you can't waste this talent with these kids because if you do, they're going to be in an environment of losing and that is not good for their morale. That is not good for their development. We talk about how the development of these kids, as long as they're getting reps, they're going to be good. That's not necessarily true, right? If they're in a losing atmosphere, they might suck. They might carry that over and their, their innate in abilities might sort of dwindle. I don't want to see that. This is a team that has won together in the minor league system. You owe it to them to really push the envelope and show them what a winning culture is and establish that in your system for years to come. Now is the time to strike. I don't know that Blue Jays fans can really withstand another year of wins and losses don't matter and let's just work on the development that developmental stage is gone i need to see something a little bit more tangible i need to see aggression i need to see that this front office cares about winning i i I completely agree i think though that and i'm i'm i agree with you i'm gonna play devil's advocate for a second though and i think that i think what they are seeing is I think they're seeing a free year because of what of how they handled uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Bo Bichette's contracts, whereas um, they obviously waited until that time period when Vladimir Guerrero Jr. could be called up and mm-hmm. they have essentially that free year, a.k.a. this year of his contract um, or to be extended out another year. Right. Uh, same thing goes with Bo Bichette, but that was due to injury. So that was lucky for the Blue Jays. Um, and I think that their view of that is, look, we have another year of these guys uh, because of the way the CBA is structured. So why not give this team one more year? Uh, we can still stock the cupboard with a little bit better prospects and and not be as great. But the one key takeaway that I that I heard from that Mark Shapiro interview on Tim, I said there's actually two. The one mm-hmm. was. Um, he doesn't like to be in the middle. He either he essentially said without saying it, I either want to tank and be complete dog shit, or I want to be the best. Smart. Yeah. And, and and he said it in a more diplomatic and polite manner that was well suited for television. <laughs> but uh, he, he essentially said that. And, and you know what? Like, I understand that you don't want to be in the middle because the teams that are in the middle, the 81 and 81 teams that just miss out in the playoffs, but are right in the middle of draft order, those ones stay stagnant. Um, but I completely agree with you in the sense where Toronto the Blue Jays organization needs to understand that this, if you had a timeline of rebuilding where you thought it might take another year for this team to get their feet wet in terms of offense, I think that that has to be sped up. And I think if they don't see that, that's poor on them. Um, Mark Shapiro's second takeaway that I, or the second takeaway of what Mark Shapiro said that I really um, keyed into was when he said, uh, we had to keep this basically going for another year because the Toronto Blue Jays organization or the Toronto Blue Jays fans of this organization were just so crazy for this team that the city was buzzing and we couldn't take that away from them. We couldn't take away, come in here the first year and just clean house and take that environment and that culture away from them. 
if he sees that, if he noticed that, which he says he did, and if he truly noticed that, I think that that might give them. Now I'm not playing devil's advocate. I'm playing sure. normal advocate. Yeah. I think that that might give them that push to accelerate that process and then go with what you said of, okay, maybe we add another piece here. Maybe we go out and make a big push for Garrett Cole. Maybe we go out and add that out, that outfielder that we need. We got hundreds of millions, of, like a hundred million plus to spend. If we really want to, we can, we can do this thing. We can solidify our, our pitching. We're going to have, um, Anthony K looks like he can be a solid piece move forward in this rotation. Trent Thornton looks to be, like he could be a fourth, fifth starter. Um, if Matt Shoemaker comes back um, healthy and can produce a solid year for you, that's a bonus. Clay Buckles seems like a type of guy who you might want to have as a back end starter or a depth piece. Um, like I said, Nate Pearson coming in can be a, a starter for you. And then if you add a type of guy like a Garrett Cole, that's your ace. That's a pretty solid starting rotation that I would that I would trust in the first year of this big process of pushing things forward. And you know, you have that offense. So maybe they look at that and they say, now is the time to go. Um, I completely agree with what you're saying. And I would, I would hope that the blue Jays see what we're seeing, but if you want to play the devil's advocate, they might think that they have that free year to burn. Whereas they think now in their head, okay, now's the start of what we were going to consider the rebuild to give them one year to get things developed and then go into the next free agency period and really build our team around. I feel like that's taking advantage of the mentality and the patience of your fan base. And not to say that none of your points were valid. They certainly were, but I feel like right now we're in a situation in which the culture of baseball, and I don't want to harp on this too much, but it's certainly dying, right? It's certainly at least changing, yes. right? You're, you're, you're seeing older players talk about how boring the game is and they're not saying mm -hmm. like it's boring because it's slow it's boring because of the inaction they're certainly used to that they're saying it's boring because of the amount of home runs that are being hit and it's true like uh, the amount of home runs is outrageous right now and sort of taking away from the excitement and the sizzle of it um so that's a again a, a different topic for a different day but the game itself is sort of being put on the back burner, especially in Toronto, especially after the success of the Raptors, and I guess you can say the Leafs too, um, those two teams are at the forefront, whereas the Blue Jays are playing, sort of playing catch-up, right? And I can only speak of what it's like in the region that I'm at, and you have this, it's, it's sort of contagious, right? The Patriots are constantly winning, and they breathe that culture of winning, and that's contagious and infectious to the Celtics, to the Red Sox, to the Bruins, to the point that if they don't make a push, they're doing something wrong. Like, they're doing a disservice to not only the city, they're doing a disservice to the fan base and to the, the, the establishment that they have maintained throughout their tenure. So I, I wish that Toronto had that sort of attitude, especially Rodgers. I wish they didn't see it as much of a business aspiration, but more of a, of a kind of, we owe this to the fans, we owe this to the city, because, you know, if we're looking at it at a business sense, the return is ginormous. Right. If if the Blue Jays make another postseason run, we saw it in fifteen and sixteen, the return is ridiculous. Right. The 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 bodies in the dome, the the mere coverage of the team is outstanding. Right. And that's just more dollars going to your pocket, Rogers. So why wouldn't you just push? I don't get it. Like this is the final year of Atkins and Shapiro's contract. That this is it. There's nothing guaranteed after 2020. What if they go? Are we going to go through another rebuild? As I mentioned with Dombrowski, 
he's gone. It wouldn't surprise me if whoever comes in sort of blows it up. That's not a guarantee that it won't happen if someone comes into Toronto in 2021 and blows it up and we have to go through this shit all over again. You sort of owe it to yourself and the work that you put in to this team to really see what you got and make a push. And I do think that, you know, you had down years in 17, 18, and this year calling for a fourth year of wins and losses don't matter. I don't know that you're going to be able to get those fans back. Nah, I mean, We've I, like I, I I get that, but we've we've heard that that argument before, right? Like when when the Jays weren't making the playoffs for twenty years, we heard that argument. Well, those fans are gone, but they're they're, not it there was anymore. never promised, you know. True, you're right. It was it wasn't promised, but there was always that hope of okay, well maybe one day. But then all those guys say, yeah, okay, we've been waiting for so long. We're becoming the laughing stock of the league. I'm sick of this team. Blah blah blah. Right. What I know about Toronto is this. When there is success in sports, the Toronto fans are leeches. They will they will latch on to a team. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think it's very good for the city. But you look at the Raptors and and all of a sudden all these people that were never following basketball are now experts and fans. And I talk <laughs> to people and they're like yeah, so like Kawhi Leonard is just like the best, and Kyle Lowry, like that guy sucks. Can't hit a throw. Can't hit a free throw. And uh, bricks threes. Like, why do we even play this guy? This guy sucks. And then all these people become experts, and they but they're focused in it, regardless of how valid or invalid their opinions are, or the facts that they spew or, or made up numbers. They still become passionate about it. And Toronto loves sports and they love successful sport teams. So if the Blue Jays ever become successful again with this current regime that they have, I can guarantee you, I can put my house on it, that the fans will come back. I know it. I, I know that they will because I've heard it from people here and I know the way that the city is, especially in the summertime when the, the Leafs and the Raptors aren't really playing um, they'll they'll do it the the fans will come out they will support the team i know it well time will tell and you know we have a little bit left of 2019 to go through before even dipping our feet into 2020 so let's uh let's put a bow on it and talk about the remainder of 2019 um as i mentioned we're recording this on wednesday night they're in baltimore right now it's sort of a who the fuck cares series uh much like the rest of the the schedule but here we go they're going to new york this weekend for three games uh, and then they travel. Uh, they come back home to welcome Baltimore for another three games. And it's probably going to be maybe someone else will hit for the cycle. Again, this is Baltimore. So let's start with the Yankees series. Uh, away, Yankees are feeling pretty good. Uh, their pitching is certainly in, I don't want to say disarray, but they're, it's on shaky ground. Um, still, I'm just saying one out of three of those games the Blue Jays will take. Yeah, I would agree. Um, they take one. Uh, I'm happy with that. But, you know, they, they give they give those teams a good fight lately. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say I'd say one's probably fair. I don't think they get two or I don't think they'll be swept. So, nah, the Yankees got to gear up for the postseason. And this is sort of, you know, that appetizer. That yes. They need. Yes. Um, that, as I mentioned, they come back home to the dome to welcome the Orioles. I'm just going to say it. They're going to sweep them at home. Fuck it. Yeah, might as well. I like like I said, I think that we need to have a good effort coming out of the gate, right? I think that we need to have those young guys show, you know what? This team is absolute ass. and We're better than them. We don't give a shit if we're in the playoff race or not. 
we don't want to lose these guys. And I think that's kind of what's going to happen. And I think a sweep, I think you can bring out the brooms for one last time this year, clean out the front porch, get rid of the birds in the nest and say, see you later, Baltimore done with your garbage ass quadruple a bullshit team with thousand fans show up to your games side note this is interesting worst team of 2019 orioles or the miami dolphins uh miami yeah i I agree (laughs) miami (laughs) miami dolphins are trash man like that team sucks i was i was saying that it could be possible that we would have two own 16 teams with the giants and the dolphins i think the giants are absolute trash but they do play each other in like week 15. Oh, all right. So, so that's, that's not going to happen. But um, I was thinking because they were in different conferences that that might actually happen, but they do end up playing each other at some point. So Miami is going to go in 16. They're trading away everybody and their mothers at this point. And Josh Rosen sitting there and he's going, I'm going to be the best player on, on this team. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> Lord help me. So yes, as bad as Baltimore has been, Miami is going to be worse tank for Tua and they're going to get a solid quarterback. So, yeah, uh, at least Baltimore has won some games. So, uh, yes, <laughs> at least there's been some to sell cheer for in Baltimore. Yeah, I guess maybe. All right. Well, that, that's going to do it for tonight. <laughs> um, this went actually a little bit longer than I thought, considering the, the lack of topics. But hey, Blue Jays talking to you about them. It's always a good time. So that being said, you know the deal. Time to shine. Promote any and everything you got going on where people can find you on Twitter, your work, all the above. I know Raptor season is approaching. I'm sure you're primed for it. Go for it, man. Floor is yours. Yeah, so um, you guys can find me on Twitter at T-O underscore sports views. Uh, you can check out the website, torontosportsviews.com. Been pretty dormant this summer, uh, like like we've been saying plenty of times on this podcast. Not much really to talk about about the Blue Jays this year. So um, I've kind of been doing just all the work verbally over podcasts and it's been a few here and there, sporadic, but that's sort of about it. But the Raptor season gearing up, probably do a season preview relatively soon. Um, and that will be on the website and then I'll start up my own podcast. Have you of course on them and, and hop on, we can talk Raptors and the Lord and savior, Matt Thomas, uh, <laughs> your, your, three point specialist boy, 99% uncontested. So that's, uh, that's going to be a good, uh, it's, there's going to be a lot of topic points. I think for the Raptors that a lot of people are excited about, so uh, much more than what the Blue Jays state currently is. So um, once that gets going, you'll see me a little bit more. I'll come back out of hibernation with a full belly, nice grizzled hair all over the place, ready to go for the <laughs> for the winter. As it's the reverse way, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I hibernated in the summer for some odd reason. Now I'm back out ready to go for the winter. There you go. You're a true Canadian man. So that, oh, that, yeah. that makes sense. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Well, all the links to, you know, your Twitter, your website, your podcast will be in the description of the show. Highly encourage everyone to follow, visit and subscribe to all of that. All of the above. Just do it. Um, and that's going to do it. Look, we got one more. We got two more Blue Jay shows on the docket. After that, it's all Raptors. I should note that tomorrow night, speaking of Raptors, I will be on Pick and Pod to preview the Raptors season. Uh, you should subscribe to that podcast too if you want another to good talk. podcast great podcast yeah. richard's the man he's mm-hmm. been on the show talking blue jays too um yeah. we'll uh i'll be discussing raptors on that feel free to descri- uh, subscribe to that listen to it all the above but that being said i am adam corsair he is connor chambers we are done for the night go blue jays and uh connor take care you too my man thank you 
Thank you for listening to the South of the Six podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at South of the Six and subscribe to our show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere. While you're at it, if you liked what you heard, do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Go Jays and Raptors. Raptors.